Welcome back to another episode of the Nomad Barista podcast. I'm your host, Brody Vissers, and I seek out coffee professionals around the world who have really paved their own path, nailed their niche, and designed their own lifestyle around what they love and also how they can best contribute to the world in their own unique way. Today, I sit down with Pil Hoon So from Coffee Libre in Korea, right in their cupping room and office, actually. Coffee Libre is a major specialty coffee importer and roaster in Korea, and they have supplied green coffee to many, many roasters all around the country. I've also joined Pill on a few of his origin trip visits over the years, including India in 2020 and Nicaragua and Honduras earlier this year in 2023. I was happy to finally visit the Coffee Libre headquarters and cafes during my time while filming here in Seoul. And I took the opportunity to get Pill on the mic to share some of his wisdom running a successful coffee business for the past 11 years. This episode is brought to you by Wakako Portable Coffee Makers, a brand of portable coffee brewers that are completely hand-powered, and I've been using all of their gear, including hand grinders and scales on all of my coffee adventures, including these filming trips to origin with Coffee Libre. So these brewers are super compact and great for those long rides up to the coffee farms. With that, let's get right into it. Pill from Coffee Libre. Pill, thank you for this tea. My pleasure. Oolong. Oolong from Taiwan. When were you in Taiwan? A couple of months ago, I visited there. So I really love that there. Chongcha. Uh, Chong means uh, clean. Cha means uh, tea. Yeah. So I love that kind of uh, style. Chongcha is a kind of a wash it processed oolong tea. Oh, okay. Yeah, they have a more strong fermentation one, more strong, but it's not my style. You prefer the clean, the clean flavor. Yeah, I'm a big fan of a washed coffee, so it's the same for tea. Host. Is that why we're drinking tea now? Because we've had too much coffee today. <laughs> How many cups did you drink? Including the cupping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we. Four. Yeah, maybe four, maybe four. Thank you for inviting me to your your office. This used to be your your roastery, right? Yeah, it's so like I, a small uh, restaurant. I got my business here, Coffee Libre. And you started in this space. Why don't you give us a little bit of context? Where are we right now in Seoul, and why this space for your for your original roastery? Yeah, so we are now in the western part of Seoul. It's um end of Seoul. So this area, so we call it the uh, Hongik University area. It's uh, from uh, many years ago. So these areas are famous for artists, rock band, concert, um, hip hop. It's a kind of a young uh, generation's culture scene is uh, yeah popular here. So that's why uh, I came here. So when I decided to do something as a specialty coffee roasters, because I want to meet uh, more people who has a uh, curiosity for new things. So that's why I'm here. Which year did you start Coffee Libre? Coffee Libre, uh, I found this company at uh, 2009, but I began my coffee career from 2004. The first five years, I worked in uh, Bohemian Coffee. It's uh, located in, uh, in the front of Korea University. It's um, a very famous coffee company. In that time, we uh, roast coffee very dark as a Japanese style, you know, so but it's still so do something, everything, also very in detail, check it, everything. Uh, yeah, at that time, uh, I uh, 
start, I, I wanted to learn more about coffee and the time as I could access the only information in English. So that time in uh, Western Europe and US, specialty coffee boomers just began. So I, I love that their concept and approach. So yeah, I visited several times to US and Europe to learn something and uh, Finally, I got a curator in the US, in USA, 2006 or seven. Yeah, it was my beginning. Yeah, then uh, I independent and I founded this company. Oh, wow. During the last few days, you know, I've come to Korea to make some, some videos with you again. Uh, of course, we've had the pleasure to go to India together, to Honduras, Nicaragua. Now I finally get to visit you in your home turf, we call it. Because, um, you know, we, we had the opportunity to visit three of your shops and of course the new roastery that you just opened up because obviously this space that we're sitting in right now is not not big enough for all the production that you're doing uh as well as the warehouse but i'm just curious did you start with the cafes first I, we we just visited the your yonnam location mm -hmm. or did you start with the roastery and then start to expand the the cafes exactly so i found my company in this place that time I had an uh, old probot, five kilo. But at that time, uh, nobody liked my coffee. People thought that my coffee is too acidic. That they don't understand uh, what is specialty coffee. And uh, they told your coffee is too expensive. So I couldn't make uh, any business with coffee. And so that time I didn't have any money also to open a coffee shop also. So Yannam Coffee Shop you visit today was uh, I opened uh, three years later at the foundation. So for the first uh, three years, as my main business is uh, educating, uh, training people. So at that time I had a curator certification. So I uh, training people how to carve, how to roast uh, for three years. Uh, that's it. And then uh, I got some money to learn something in the origin. So I try my best to visit more often to origin to learn uh, how to do direct trade, what is specialty coffee, how to process coffee, what is different. Because that time as uh, I couldn't uh, learn uh, nothing about specialty coffee in Korea. Yeah, that was my beginning. So there wasn't a lot of resources in the, you know, the early 2010s, let's say in, in Korean specifically. Okay. I've seen uh, over this uh, trip in your office and some of the cafes, all the translations that you've done from really good coffee books in English now into Korean. Is that some of the motivation you wanted to kind of give back to the, to the Korean community? Yes. At that time, there is a no good book or article for specialty coffee. I was so sorry about that. So, you know, so now we are kind of a, a little bit old brand now, as because a specialty coffee scene in Korea is a, a growth a lot as a, it's a, very popular now. So I don't want to make people experience same thing as I did. There was uh, nothing to read, nothing to learn. So also publishing a book, copy book is not a good business at all, but uh, uh, yeah, that's my idea. I want to, yeah, as I make a good resource for specialty copy people, next generation. Yeah, I think that's a kind of my role for next generation. Right, yeah. Um, no, it's, it's a great way to to give back. And and of course, you know, in that time, you were one of the one of the first to do 
I guess, to do your own roasting, to do your own sourcing. Who were, who are some of the other companies that were in Korea around that time, uh, just starting out at least in specialty coffee, you know, like single origin roasting a little bit lighter. I think, um, uh, that time, uh, Tarosa coffee, but because specialty coffee concept, it's almost a similar yeah, time. And, uh, there's Namu Sairo. So she began a coffee business, uh, much earlier than me. And, uh, she, uh, used, uh, quite good quality of great coffee in that time. And then uh, is that time every coffee roasted to roast very dark, but, uh, her roasting is uh, quite lighter than others. And so that kind of, I remember that the kind of company. Yeah. So we began uh, together a little bit earlier. Yeah. Uh, okay. So there's very few because I've been walking, walking around the city. I see coffee roasters, not only cafes on every corner, but roasters almost on every, every single block. So it seems like it's become quite a popular thing. Did you notice a time when that started to happen where everyone started to get interested in, in roasting coffee or serving coffee, specialty coffee, the coffee shop culture? For a long time, I used to in Korea, we drank only instant coffee, really cheap coffee. So first Starbucks coffee shop opened here. And then I said, after that, we had a big coffee boom. So the coffee is got popular. So they had the getting had instant coffee. So, so coffee boom itself is a began from that time, but you know, so Korea's economy is a grow so fast after Korean war. So like, like this coffee is saying is for a long time, uh, we drink only uh, commercial instant coffee, then uh, began coffee culture itself, coffee boom. Then just after five, six years later, so specialty coffee began and then boom. So still we have about uh, 100,000 coffee shops and, um, in Korea. Yeah. In Korea. And, uh, wow. I heard, uh, 20,000 coffee roasters now in Korea. I heard, I'm not sure if this is true, but I think it is true. Wow. Yeah. And that, yeah, everybody love a uh, specialty coffee and uh, even, uh, franchise coffee company want to switch to specialty coffee now crazy. that's true I've, I've noticed that you've supplied your coffee to some some of the bigger franchises or the bigger what we would maybe see as coffee chains can you name some of the ones in korea that you've supplied to yeah Dunkin. it's a that company is uh famous for donuts Dunkin donuts time. So, but they want to switch to more coffee oriented company and that they want to switch to specialty coffee company. So now we have us uh, collaborate with them. We shared our specialty coffee, great, great coffee with them. And, uh, we advise them, so optimal roasting degree for that. Yeah. So, so now they are selling uh, some coffee so with our logo. So I pretty, yeah, appreciate uh, their concept and, uh, I love uh, their quality of coffee also. So I hope it, it would be a good chance to let people know what is specialty coffee because uh, still we have a big specialty coffee booth, but uh, still we are small portion, you know, still many people are drink uh, cheap coffee, um, you know, commercial coffee, still a lot of people drink instant coffee. And so I, I, I think uh, this would be a great chance for yeah, specialty coffee culture in Korea. Right. It's an opportunity because it's a, a 
globally recognized brand. They have a more reach. They have more marketing maybe, but also, you know, even, even tourists or foreigners who come here, they recognize the brand. And then if they see not only a, a single origin or, you know, a specific region, then they also see your brand and then they might be, you know, interested in trying, going to one of your shops. Yes. So how many, how many shops do you have now in, in Seoul? We have a four coffee shop now in Seoul, but one month later, we have to close one of them. It is a located department store, but it's that there will be a big renovation. So yeah, I, I have to find a new place for that. <laughs> it's always changing, evolving. Yeah, it's a big issue in Korea because uh, as a real estate um, issue is a serious. The rent is a very expensive and the competition is uh, crazy. It's not easy to keep a coffee shop long time. How do you stay encouraged or motivated throughout those times where you have to kind of adapt or 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 even times where you're in the moment where you're deciding do I open a new location do I stay with what I have you know we were just talking about another another location which was in sort of a small market area uh, which has to move and you found a new location for that now which was the original well, what helps you to keep pushing and 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 see how how worth it it can be to to continue expanding? I don't uh, want to open more coffee shop because uh, <laughs> I, I want uh, as a kind of a seed to cup, you know, it's a value chain and you know, coffee, specialty coffee. But for coffee shop is better enough to me because uh, it's, it's always uh, not a good uh, place to manage many coffee shops. Um, as I told you, so there are so many uh, real estate issues and uh, it's, a, it's better enough. For me, so I want to focus on uh, direct trading and uh, roast as a coffee roasters. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, how many roasters do you sell to now in Korea? About six hundred to seven hundred. Yeah, coffee shop and restaurants. So we supply our coffee. Wow. Okay. Takes a long time to get to that level. <laughs> headache. <laughs> Big headache. And um, when when did you start buying direct trade? Like you started. You said you traveled to Origin. Uh, you had an opportunity within the first few years to go see a little bit more behind the scenes. Maybe paint for us a picture. How did it happen where you started buying your own green beans and then you started being able to actually go straight to the source and, and buying bigger quantities of coffee? I found this company in 2009 and a couple of months later, I had a good chance to visit uh, Coffee Origin. It's my first co visiting uh, Coffee Origin is in Nicaragua. It's my first love. Yeah, so now I have a coffee farm in there. So I don't know the, the reason, but it's a, it's a kind of a, it's a fortune or destiny. And then I visit El Salvador in India. Then every year I visit more origins because I want to learn more. But still I'm learning. So every year so when I visit any coffee origin, I learn a lot. And so I love it. So there's a lot to learn in my life. And uh, it's a kind of a big motivation for me. Oh, I want to learn more, so there'll be something new. Yeah, it's a fun. It's a, I want to introduce this coffee to Korean market. I, I want to do this and this, and, you know, imagination. And yeah, I love my job a lot. <laughs> so if you were talking to someone who was starting to get into maybe green buying or a small roaster, or a roaster cafe, maybe in Korea or maybe somewhere around the world, what kind of advice would you give them if they were just starting out and they were ambitious and 
you know, uh, excited to, to do what you're doing, um, you know, what would you, what would you tell them? I have no idea, you know, so everybody has a different idea that the business model is different and the culture is different. But in my case, that the most uh, big energy for me was uh, love coffee itself. It's a big uh, motivation and, and uh, energy for me. You know, so in the business, uh, sometimes good, sometimes bad, you know, the very difficult, a lot of headache, but always I'm thinking, uh, I want to do this. I want to get over this because I love coffee itself. Yeah, it's just, in my case, it's very simple. I don't know if it, it will to others also. What is it that you love about coffee? What is the, you know, because it could be the taste, it could be uh, the process, but what is it for you that that oh, keeps you coming back? I know about love itself. You know, so when you love a uh, girl, you know, as a, Exactly that kind of feeling to me, love coffee is. So I love coffee itself, not only tasting, uh, roasting, uh, cupping. So I want to read a book on coffee and I want to know more about the history of coffee, you know, so cultivation, how to cultivation processing and uh, a DNA issue, everything. And so, well, I feel as like, oh, I'm fat in love still in, Coffee, yeah, it's a, it's a big energy for me still. It's more of a feeling that you have, yes. ra rather than specific characteristics that, you know, they might be here today and then they're gone the next month. Wh whereas for you, it's it's something deeper. It's something that you've lived that you've recognized. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I've sensed that over the last few days since being here in Korea and seeing seeing a little bit of your story. Um, but also, of course, on on the various trips that we've taken together, the people that we've met along the way, and the long running connections that you have, right? Is we were just in in Nicaragua and, and Honduras, and you know you've known some of these producers for for years and years, and watched their their children to grow up. Or you know when we went to India, you were telling me you had gone there for ten years in a row, and mm -hmm. and uh, seeing how much these people receive you when you come because they know that you're dedicated, right? You're not just buying their coffee, but you you want to keep coming back. So, you know, that's something that I admire in terms of the the coffee business. But let's go back to the beginning uh, again. I want to I want you to tell tell people where it is that you got the name Coffee Libre. Why Coffee Libre? You're you're Korean. This is a, this is sort of a Spanish English name. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a come from a movie Nacho Libre. It's a, I really love that movie itself and that I love its concept, you know. It's a Jack Black was a Catholic priest, but he want to take care about orphans, but uh, he didn't have any money. So he want to play as a wrestler at night to get uh, fight money. So I love that idea, you know, it's uh, taking care of uh, orphans as a priest. And uh, you know, so wrestler is a totally, extremely different kind of a concept, but he tried to do it for his dream, his responsibility. But you know, so he was really poor at uh, wrestling, but he really liked it. He wanted to uh, learn more. And I love uh, that kind of concept. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very similar to my idea for coffee. I, I was nothing, I didn't know anything about coffee, but I want to know. So I want to try more, so even though it's not easy. 
because uh, I have, I want to love coffee. I want to, to have something with coffee for my future. So, oh, this concept is very close to uh, my idea for coffee. So I brought uh, many ideas from the movie as a beginning of Coffee Libre. So it kind of related to you. It resonated with your own story, kind of coming from a humble beginning. It's also one of my favorite movies. So we can relate on on that. When you told me about uh, Nacho Libre, I thought, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a movie that has such character. It has, to me, it has such authenticity. Maybe some other people might watch it and say it's silly or, you know, it's not really doesn't have much of a plot line, but it's true. There's something about his tenacity, right? His, his drive, which I think a lot of people in the coffee industry can resonate with in some ways. It's like, why are you still in coffee? You know, what, why do you keep uh, working either as a barista or a roaster? And, you know, it can be a struggle sometimes, but it's a growing industry. I mean, it's in, in relative terms, it's still very new the world of specialty coffee. So we're all kind of figuring it out on our own. And, and I think a lot of us in the industry are also doing it for, I would say for the right reasons, let's say for, for good purposes, uh, where we can, we know that we can make an impact on the farm level. We know that we can also make an impact on the local level. So it's that balance of like in, in, in Nacho's case, you know, wanting to wanting to earn money, but to give back to the, to the orphans and the right. people that uh, I love. So, um, yeah, I love that a little bit more of a philosophical yeah. <laughs> approach, but, um, so coming back to the specific coffee origins, what is your, what's one of your favorite coffees that you have available right now? So we're, we're sitting here June, 2023, you know, we visited a few origins, uh, you're, you're always traveling to different origins, but what, what's one that you're excited about for, for the rest of this year? Uh, personally, yes, I'm getting old, so these days, uh, I really like uh, some more sweet and balanced cup. Yeah, sometimes I really enjoy a full of all the juicy cup, but yeah, as, uh, I love uh, yeah that kind of uh, preference now I have. That's why I really love uh, Indian coffee. You know, it's not as, such a complex coffee, so elevation is lower. And uh, they uh, grow a lot of uh, hybrid uh, varieties, but they have a really good sweetness and a full b of body. It's a really good for espresso. And always uh, that kind of uh, uh, smooth and balanced cup is more attractive to me. And at at first, it's not easy to find uh, their attract. But uh, as time goes by, you know, I think uh, to fall in love is uh, easy, but to keep love is not easy. We need more attention, cost, time, effort, everything. So every year, so when I visit India, I feel as I fell in love one step more and one step more to Indian coffee. So it's not a very popular coffee now in Korea and in the world, in the specialty coffee world, but it's a, now Indian coffee is my one of favorite coffee. Yeah, it's a, that kind of concept. It's a, how can I say? It's a more subjective. Uh, mm, it's, mm -hmm. it's a more important now. As a score is important, you know, so trend is important. But as a, these days, I'm more as a personal feeling or subjective uh, approach is a, it's a more attractive to me. Right. Yeah, I'm recalling the time again when we went to India early 2020, and one of the most memorable experiences that I've had on a coffee farm was. Specifically visiting the Atikan estate, which is in the the top of the mountain. You know, we were far removed from 
technology from internet and we were staying there for a few days it was very misty in the mornings and we had to be careful of jaguars tigers, tigers bison elephants i mean we didn't get to see any on that trip maybe fortunately or unfortunately but yeah of course it was it was it changed my perspective for what indian coffee was maybe there was that romantic element but also just seeing you know some beautiful coffees growing on the trees some arabica of course we saw some we tasted some robusta on that trip as well i feel like i'm fairly intrigued and curious and open to trying new coffees from different places uh regardless of how they may measure up on the tasting scale maybe compared to other more trendy or popular mm -hmm. coffees but what would be one methodology or maybe some advice you would give to people if they wanted to introduce themselves to to new coffees uh specifically from india how would you sell an indian coffee to someone who's either never tried it or has a bad stigma or reaction to what uh, an indian coffee could be yeah it was not easy so that time was uh, only so a little bit of a uh, monsoon coffee was uh, introducing korean market but you know is a uh, I didn't like it. Most and coffee is so for me. It tastes like a mold. It's earthy. Uh, it's not clean. It's just a flat. And but I realized many Italian roasters love their coffee a lot. So that's why they keep uh, producing most and coffee in India. So I thought, you know, as a standard, as I learned from SCAA, it could be different in another culture. You know. So I tried to change my mindset as I tried to open more mind and then uh, taste again different kind of Indian coffee. As a step-by-step, -step, I fell in love with it. So that's a, I told uh, that story to my friends, the other roosters in Korea. I understand you don't like this coffee now, but uh, try it again, try it again. I said, let's have a time. The finally now Indian coffee is uh, getting popular and popular now. So for example, is, uh, for first my purchase amount was of uh, just fifty bags at uh, two thousand ten Indian coffee. Now is, uh, I bought is, uh, more than fifteen containers per year. <laughs> half of it are we are using it, but uh, another half. Every specialty coffee roaster using it. They love mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Even it's uh, more expensive than Brazil coffee. So this is this is not necessarily the monsoon coffee. Still, what is monsoon coffee, by the way? Uh, monsoon coffee is a uh, you know it's a historical background it has. You know, it's a, when they produce coffee in India, it took a lot of time to uh, ship it to Europe. So you know, so on the boat, it absorbs a lot of uh, moisture and uh, get. I feel it's a uh, but yeah, you know, it's like we, we, uh, during the uh, shipping uh, process, it's a specific flavor is, uh, is made. I didn't like it, but it's a, yeah, it's a kind of a characteristic of a monster. It's like fermenting along the way on uh, the ship. Yeah, on the moisture condition, better okay. moisture condition. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, uh, fortunately, you're getting some, some better conditions now and some better quality oh. coffees now from India. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that more on the menu. You know, we were we were even talking about Robusta earlier and how some of the first coffee competitions, the barista like World Barista Championship, some people were using Robusta in their in their blends and 
Now we might fast forward a few years and, and look back and some people might laugh at that. Maybe that's going to come back. Maybe that's going to start to make a, a resurgence or a rebirth that people are going to start using Robusta, mm -hmm. you know, on the world stage again. Mm -hmm. Have no idea. Um, but what I'm curious to, since you've been in the, in the industry for a very long time now and, and been part of the buying process, been part of the course roasting, we've had a few, even barista champions come out of Korea. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on where do you think we're going next in terms of specialty coffee? What are some of the emerging trends that you see? And maybe sometimes, maybe it might even be a bit of a forking, you know, people going one direction and another another group of people going the other direction. I don't know. I'm curious to hear your feedback. Oh, I have no idea. So I think uh, so many uh, coffee origins uh, and uh, consuming origins have their own way to grow and to proceed. Well, I, I cannot tell my forecasting for that, but in case of Korea, so I think uh, we are more trendy people, so mm -hmm. always uh, we follow something uh, very quickly and then copy that and then uh, adjust it to our own style. A lot of ice drinks. Uh, yeah, it's uh, crazy. It's, uh, everybody uh, drink uh, only uh, iced Americanos. Almost 70% of our Americano sales is uh, iced Americanos. Yes, I don't know the reason, but everybody drink uh, iced Americano now and then uh, Flat white is very popular. So everything is uh, something new is very getting popular easily in Korea. So it's not easy to expect a future. But anyway, I hope if specialty coffee scene uh, grow more and expand it more, we are better to consider sustainable issue about coffee origins because without origin there's no future of coffee. I have a coffee farm in Nicaragua and uh, I realize it's a very, very serious issue for coffee itself and uh, coffee consumer also. So uh, for future, I hope uh, our specialty coffee culture has to more focus on sustainable issue and uh, that I hope it would be as a kind of a trend yeah, it seems like it is one of the emerging trends um, or has been for the last few years in terms of specialty coffee, a major focus being on where the coffee is coming from, how it's being processed, how many, uh, how much people are getting paid at the origin. Do you see any specific ways that we could enhance that, uh, that trend or any direction that the industry could continue going in to turn that into more of a reality, or do you think we're doing already a pretty good job? As a specialty coffee consumers has a lot of uh, curiosity, so they uh, want to uh, follow new fat, you know, so new processing, new flavors, uh, so new tools. To, uh, I, I yeah, I love that kind of idea. So because uh, with uh, that kind of uh, curiosity. So now, so we are now in specialty coffee culture is a grow with uh, that kind of things with. But uh, I don't think as a processing, new processing method or uh, as a new tools is uh, not that important than, you know, as a sustainable issue in you know, coffee origins. And uh, it's not easy to expect. But anyway, as a, you know, so trend is come and go come and go change every every time as so sometimes uh, 10 years later so something very old 
trying to come back as a little bit with a different uh, appearance. Yeah, I'm sure it's a, we will uh, yeah experience that kind of a trend in specialty coffee scene. But always as a, we are able to think about the whole value chain from the origin to so who, what kind of people or what kind of effort we made we had to make for the future. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think maybe for some some green buyers or even roasters, you know, trying to explain that to people and explain why people are paying a little bit more for their coffee because you know it's it costs more. The the cost of production are are high or or they're continuing to rise in a lot of places and you know a lot of it comes down to education. That's something that I've also learned on on. On my recent travels, you know, here in Korea, as you mentioned, you were translating a lot of books to help educate people. Uh, even last week when I was in China, you know, recognizing, yeah, the, the coffee scene is booming there, but still it's going to require a lot of um, education to to teach people about specialty coffee, not only how to brew it and how to prepare it, but also where it comes from. And um, But I think a lot of people are starting to ask more of those questions and want to know where it comes from and they want to be able to also as a, as companies explain you know more of behind the scenes and where it comes from so um maybe just to to wrap this up you know you having a lot of experience specifically in uh not only roasting but in green buying and sourcing coffee tasting coffee um cupping hundreds thousands of coffees um what would be what would be your message to aspiring green buyers specifically whether they have their own roastery or whether they're working for an importer or something like that, um, you know, maybe some some of them are listening now and they they want to know, okay, what can I do to start? Or I've already started. And I'm looking to to move a little bit further along in my career. You know, what would be a message that you would send to them? I was still learning. It's not easy always for me. So there's a something bad happen every year. Is this is a frustrating every year so, oh there's a lot to learn still i have it's crazy it's not it's not easy to, to give advice to others because yeah I, i'm not such a as a master for green bean coffee buying but mm-hmm. anyway so i want to try hear more producers idea and their story you know so coping is important but, um, Purchasing uh, policy, you know, the price is important, of course, it is a, a business. But so these days, I want to try to hear more about producers. So my feeling is a lot of uh, solution or so creative things I could get from it. So, so my advice is a simple, hear more. So creating that more of that dialogue and that yes. connection. Yeah, no, it's so true. Brainstorming and... Yeah. Ways to to create a, a network of mm-hmm. of these conversations. Where can people find your your company online? On Instagram, on the website. What's what's your account? Yeah, we have an Instagram account, Coffee Libre Korea. Yeah, you can find us there. That's the best way, and you can find find uh, they can find you here in Seoul if they go to any of your locations. Yeah, if you're a Korean, uh, you can find us in neighbor. 
easily. <laughs> Neighbor, yeah. Google Maps, you're on Google yeah, Maps too. Well, yeah, it works also. It's a little bit harder to use, but yeah, uh, yeah come on over to, to Seoul, visit Coffee Libre, yeah. and, uh, and try some coffees from around the world. Thank you, Pill, for taking the time for inviting me here to Korea. And one last thing before you hit the road, please leave this podcast a rating. And also hit that follow button if you enjoyed it. That really helps us out here. And to support this show even further, please check out the sponsors in the description. With links also to my YouTube, Instagram, and Patreon. See you out there.